Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 53 of the Backyard Banter Podcast. My name is Matt Harmon. I'm the host of the show. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. We've had a lot of really cool ones uh, recently, but today we have a have a really special conversation. You know, this if you can if you listeners could give me just just a moment here. This isn't a political podcast, but you know, of course, that right now we live in a really deeply partisan society where people are just on so many different sides of things and just very much along their party lines. But today, I'm showing that I am such a great person because I have reached across the party lines to bring on James Coe from the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. Um, <laughs> something of, okay. I, I've heard that people I've heard that people are are suspicious of some sort of rift because it's taken you fifty three episodes to get on the show, James, despite our close personal uh, friendship. But <laughs> I, I, I wanted to I wanted to finally bring James on uh, to talk to talk on the show uh, and again reach across Jesus. those party lines. So James. How are you? There, there's like multiple party lines here, right? Because because so one, uh, because one, you hate me, and then two, you hate the NFL Fantasy Live podcast. So so really, it, it's it's a double, which which I applaud you for. Yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm showing my not only depth, uh, but also breadth of of goodness <laughs> as a human being by extending this invitation to yeah. you, to this Perfect. critically acclaimed podcast. <laughs> if anybody hasn't turned the episode off by now, um, which I wouldn't blame you if you did, uh, for all the silly inside jokes that are occurring here, but uh, do we do definitely we we are we're really glad you're on the show here today, James. And there's been no in, yeah. there's been no intentional slighting here. <laughs> No, I mean, first of all, I, I always viewed this podcast as a how to break more more of a how to break into a sports writing um, podcast, which, you know, again, I mean, I do write every now and again, but I, I definitely don't hang my hat there. So I, I never I quite honestly, I never was really expecting to be on the podcast because I actually don't write that often. Well, that's just shows the depth of the show and the ways that we've taken different angles. And now we're really trying to get up there into the world to, you know, famous television and radio personalities that make like five times as much money as I do. So, um, you know, maybe even more. Who's to say maybe even more money than all of the listeners combined? Um, oh, yeah, this this show is really just full of inside jokes that if they don't listen to if people don't listen to our <laughs> fantasy live podcast, they're not going to get any of this and it's going to be disappointing. But let's try to get back yes. on track here. Uh, James. Okay. If we can possibly, um, so obviously James is a uh, is an anchor on NFL Network. He's been on the on the television many a times before. Also host of a fantasy live podcast uh, that I I am on as well. But we always ask James to start the show. We ask the, the guest to take us kind of back to the beginning of how you sort of kind of came to fall in love with sports or just get the bug for for loving games in general. Um, you know, it's it's. It goes back to basically my early teenage years. I don't know. You know, it's funny. I um, I came over from Korea, actually, when I was one years old. So mm-hmm. I wasn't born here. Um, and being the son of immigrant parents, like sports wasn't really uh, prioritized in my household. It was much more of like, hey, work hard, do well in school uh, and those type of things. But I don't know. I fell in love with sports when – uh, when I was a teenager and, and, and really it was basketball that was my first love. I, I grew up kind of in the Houston area and um, and the Houston Rockets were winning championships in the early 90s. Anyways, that's kind of where I got in. And then I was also watching the Oilers back then and uh, fell in love with Eddie George, Steve McNair um, and Frank Wycheck uh, from the Oilers back in the day. But yeah, that's kind of where I, I kind of started. And um, and it just kind of grew and blossomed from there. And I don't know, it was, it was weird because I kind of had a a talent for it in high school too, being able to call games. And and I distinctly remember watching a Super Bowl with my friends. It was the I think it was the Steelers versus Green Bay, uh, and um, and. The commentary that I was just saying to my friends, just we were just, you know, BSing or whatever. It was weird. Like, you know, some of the stuff I was saying would be repeated back to me from the television guys. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I kind of it was weird. Like I had a talent for being able to watch these games and kind of figuring out human interest type stuff. Not necessarily like inside football X's and O's type of things, but just human interest stuff like, hey, great second effort there or um, look at the concentration or whatever it is. Um, and that's kind of, and I don't know, I, I actually never thought I would have 
an opportunity to do this as a profession, quite honestly. I, I, was, in, uh, I was in sales at a school for a couple years, for a couple years. So I didn't start pursuing this till uh, a ways in. So, but you did, so, but you did go to school for, for broadcasting, right? If I remember correctly, uh, is, or what did you go to like school, school for? Cause obviously like you said, this, this wasn't exactly the destiny that maybe your, your background or your family necessarily would have kind of, uh, painted for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, so I went to Cal undergrad and, uh, as, as everyone who knows me knows, but, um, all, all too well, to all too well. <laughs> Uh, I actually went to school uh, for and got a degree in legal studies. Um, not that I wanted to be a lawyer or anything. I just found it intellectually stimulating. Um, and that's kind of where I, I do a lot of um, my writing and, and reporting and um, and those kind of things. It's just I just I just write about and talk about stuff that I find intellectually stimulating. But um, that was my undergrad degree. And when I was an undergrad there, I covered games. Um, and and did stuff for the radio side. They didn't have anything for television, so I did stuff for the radio side. Like I, I did a sports show. I did play by play. Um, but I never thought it was going to be a career. I never ever thought it was going to be a career, and that's why when I graduated, I just took a job that paid me the most money, and that was it. Hey, fair. We're we're all searching for uh for that payday, but um, I it's it's fascinating. So when did you kind of? have that transition to like, Hey, this can, this can be a job or I'm going to try to make this a job. So after about a year and a half doing the whole cubicle thing, um, it just was a grind. And, you know, it was funny. Like I lived in the Bay area. I lived with, you know, my closest friends, we were making really good money. We were going out, you know, three, four times a week, spending more money than we could, you know, whatever. It was fine. It was fun. But there was just something inside me where I just, um, I did not feel fulfilled. So I had a great lifestyle. Um, and you know, it was a lot of fun, but just something deep inside said, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So after about a year and a half out of school, then I started, I picked up a, you know, um, a part-time like internship style job. I was like a gopher for like somebody at, um, at the uh, at KNBR up there in the Bay Area, which is sports talk radio show or station, and I was getting faxes and copies and you know doing uh, making coffee, and I was doing this at night, like late at night, um, after my regular you know eight to five. So I would have my day job, and then at night, three times a week, I would moonlight over at KNBR, and and just try to learn how the the business worked um i knew some of the basics because i did radio in college but that's not really i don't know i don't think that really gets you prepared for what goes into an actual professional show um and so that's what i did so i started moonlighting over there um i i, I worked with the host and i basically put a tape together and i and i went to the host and I said look would you just give this a listen and let me know what you think and and feel free to be, you know, as brutally honest as possible. Um, if you think it sucks, just tell me it sucks. Uh, but if there's any, you know, any grain of positivity that you can get out of there, then then let me know that as well. And he listened to the tape. He we, we chatted and he said, look, obviously it's really rough. It's really raw, but there's something in there. And and he's like, you know what, man, you honestly should pursue this. Um, and just see where it goes. Um, and then because of that, I basically quit my job, started looking for uh, a sports radio gig, um, found one in Montana, like in a very rural, you know, backcountry area of Montana called Haver, population 5,000. Mm. Um, I quit, quit my job, put in my two weeks. I packed up my Honda Accord with everything that I could, and then I just moved out there. Before we get into that that that, that time in Montana, because obviously I've, I'm familiar with the story and I, I I want to expand on on that entire experience. But you mentioned something as you were talking earlier that that 
doing a radio show in college or, or that experience doesn't really prepare you as much for like the pro game or whatever. Can you just kind of expand on what you mean by that? Like what are some of the differences uh, in doing it in college versus doing it professionally? When you do it in college versus professionally, it's it's a time issue, right? And preparation issue. So, you know, like when I was doing it in college, you know, you would have um, – uh, well, first of all, it's very, yeah, it's very communist, right? Because like, it's like, well, you're a host, you're a host, you're a host. So everyone gets like a day, right? So it's not like, it's not like you, it's not like me, James Ho, even if I was the most qualified, but which by the way, I wasn't, um, uh, I totally was not And and actually, uh, uh, just a total sidebar, but a, a big story of my professional career is whenever, wherever I went, I was not the best. But when when I left that job to go to my next job, I was the best. Um, and there's a lot of professional growth that happened at every stop. But uh, that's a sidebar. But just going back to the college thing, it's like, OK, so I have one show and it's one show every other week. Well, I mean, the preparation that goes into that is easy, you know, but when you got to do something every day or you have to. And by the way, the, the show is only, you know, one hour. So the preparation that goes into a one hour show every other week is almost nothing versus in, you know, when you have a professional show and you've got to do the grind three, four hours a day, five days a week, holy hell, the preparation that goes into that is, is not comparable. Hmm. So, um, I think that's something that, um, that I learned right off the bat is that it sounds easy, to watch sports, talk about sports and, and cover sports, but the actual time commitment and the thought, uh, capital that you have to invest is, is significant. I would obviously echo that statement that, you know, when I first wanted, when I, I mean, listening to podcasts back in college or, or watching, you know, sports TV forever. Uh, the, the thought that comes into your head is like, oh, I can do that. Like, this is what my friends and I do. And we're sitting around, you know, BS and talking about sports or whatever. Um, but then when you actually get into it and like you said, the preparation for not only what am I going to talk about, but what scenarios can be thrown at me when I'm out there, you know, especially like doing the NFL network hit with franchise that for the hipsters, like it's a two minute block. But that two minutes feels about like 20, and especially with so many different things that can happen and all the variables that go into it, it's, it's a lot more challenging than, than people think. Yeah, I mean, and the, the fun thing about television, too, and, and you know this now, it's like I've always said that television is like uh, stapling jello to the wall where you're trying to, you know, like, OK, so information is one thing. OK, great. So you've got the information, but now you've got to be entertaining. OK, well, now you're working on that. OK, well, now you got to be clear and concise. OK, now. So now you're working on that. Then you don't want to look weird on camera either. Oh, yeah. Right. So you have to you've got to cultivate your look as well. So there's all these moving parts that you're trying to staple to the wall. And while you're doing one thing, something else is sliding. So the fun part about television and the reason it never gets old is that you're constantly trying to improve. And, and there's so many different areas um, that you have to go do that in. And I, I always found that to be uh, incredibly mentally stimulating, challenging, draining, all of those things. Yeah, just the look part of it. And I mean, especially for I'm going to say this for you, but uh, for two rather self-impressed with, with ourselves, uh, people like you, like you and I. <laughs> Um, it's important to look good. That, that, that part of it is just, you know, you're, you're an aesthetically, you're an aesthetically well-dressed human being, you know, you're the same as, same as I try to be too, you know, that part of it is important. That's not something that comes into it on a podcast like this where nobody's looking at us or, or even when we're doing right. the NFL fantasy live podcast, but that right. very, just that variable entering your brain is like, that can trip you up. And like that two seconds can make a big difference. It's oh, for sure. Yeah, no, no. So, yeah, I mean, that part of it and, and that's the part where people feel like it's easy. That's probably one of the more difficult things, because there are some people who are natural on camera and they don't care at all. Right. But then there's people like myself um, where I, I'm that's I'm not natural doing that. Um, I've had to learn how to do that. And I've had to work on doing that. Um, and there's all. And by the way, man, there's just levels to this shit. Like, you know, like where you're at, like not you personally, but like where I'm at personally, right? It's like 
okay, I feel comfortable for where I'm at. Okay, so now I need to get to another, there's another level though, right? Mm -hmm. Where like, not only can you be comfortable on camera, but engaging on camera, right? So like, I I look at guys like Trey Wingo as people who I'm like, okay, I'm trying, I'm chasing that, right? Right. Where like, there's a guy who's totally comfortable on camera and engaging without being um, over the top, right? So like, there's this fine balance, but like, there's levels to this, right? So it's like, when you first start out, how comfortable are you when you first start out versus, okay, you're five years out now, now how comfortable are you and what are you working on? I mean, there's stuff that you're just constantly working on um, as the years go on. Yeah, the comfort versus in control is a, is a fascinating uh, juxtaposition there with, uh, with being yeah. on camera. Um, but anyways, let's get back to uh, your time in Montana. You said this is like your first big kind of radio job or, or whatever, first like gig Tell us a little bit about that story because I know it's a fascinating one. <laughs> it's it's I wouldn't I would not call it big by any stretch of the imagination. It paid me sixteen thousand dollars a year. Um, I remember I remember very distinctly taking that job, thinking this job is going to pay me on a yearly basis what my um, what my yearly bonus was at my at the job that I'm currently leaving. Mm. Right. So like I was leaving a a, a high paying sales job in the Bay Area where my bonus was 15 grand. Well, I'm now going to I'm now going to Montana to work for 16 grand on the year. And I was completely, totally okay with that. Um, And basically, so like I said, I packed up my Honda. I, I, I took a road trip. Um, you know, it took me a, a week and a half to get up there, not because, you know, just because I was visiting all these different places along the way, but right. I started my job there. Yeah. It's, and by the way, for anyone who's young, um, do that. Oh, I, I, I can't even, I cannot recommend that enough. You know, it's like get in your car and take a damn road trip. Um, and it doesn't matter where you go, but just go somewhere for two weeks and come back and, and you're, you're, you'll be a changed person. Yeah. But, as, uh, obviously as somebody that's done that, you know, somewhat recently, uh, a few times now back and forth across the, uh, across the country, it is so worth it and go like really go without an agenda. Um, yes. like, you know, without like a schedule of like, I'm going to be here at this point and here at this point, you know, if you have the luxury, cause that's. That's one thing that has to be a part of it too. You have to, or make want to make the sacrifice of the, of it. Right. If you can just be like, all right, in this week, uh, I'm going to be in Arizona, and I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I'm going to be there, and I'm just going to experience it, and eventually I'll make my way back to you know my actual destination. It's an incredibly yep. powerful experience. So I just want to echo that as well. There you go. So I, I go to Montana, um, and you know, there's a cultural facet to this too, right? Because so I, I lived in Texas till I was 10. I moved to LA. I went to middle school and high school there. Then I went to the Bay Area and I went to college there, um, you know, and then worked there for a couple of years. So I was in, you know, I was in the Bay Area a good six, seven years, right? So like, um, and then I go to a small town, Montana, population 5,000, uh, where there are just as many Native Americans there as there are, you know, U.S. citizens, right? So, uh, and the cultural difference there, by the way, I'm the only Asian guy there probably within, you know, six or seven hours uh, in any direction driving. Um, it's a big change. Um, and, and that part of it is really difficult for people who are first starting out in this business. Um, there's a loneliness factor to it. I, I wasn't really this way, but, you know, um, I know a lot of other people have found it very difficult just because you're away from your family, you're away from your friends. You've got nothing but you, your work and a little bit of television. That's it. But I go there and I, and I remember taking this job, too. It's really funny. They, they call me up and they said, OK, well, uh, we got this sports position for you, um, but you have to be our morning uh, country music DJ. And I told the guy straight out the bat, I'm like, I would love this job. I would do any for anything for this job, but I just have to tell you, I don't listen to country music and I know nothing about it. And he's like, well, can you press play and can you fake it? And I said, yes, I can absolutely fake it and I can absolutely press play. And he's like, all right, great. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> so, so I show up not knowing jack about country music. 
I'm, I'm there spinning a bunch of country music records, pretending like and basically doing real basic intros like, oh, hey, here's Brooks and Dunn with their, you know, with their latest hit. Here's Alan Jackson with a hit from the from the late 90s, you know, or whatever, just real basic stuff and just, you know, tossing it to, to, to music, which actually that actually helped me later on in my career, too. But um, but yeah, but then and then so I'm doing that in the mornings in the afternoons. I am writing commercial spots and then at night I'm covering high school um, sports. So and then I, I got to do that turnaround every day. And like, you know, every day I'm working, you know, 12 to 14 hours um, and that's it. So and that's your life. But, you know, I worked there for about six months and then um, and then I got another uh, small town gig in a place called Bishop, California. Um, I went from population 5000 to population 8000. So I'm moving up in this world. Um, and then I was doing the exact same thing. Um, so, you know, doing a little bit of country music, DJing and doing sports at night. So and and, and you know, that was a lot of fun. And I did that for about a year. Um, and then I transitioned and then I'm, I, and I was saying to myself, look, look, this is fine. This is good. I was 25 or 26 years old. But um is this what I want to be doing 10 years from now? And the answer to that was a resounding no, right? Um, so while at the time I was cool with where I was at, what I was doing, the trajectory I was going on, um, did I see myself doing that five years from that day? No, absolutely not. Because I had much grander plans and much grander visions for myself. Um, and I just had to figure out how to go about doing that. So I decided at that point to transition television. Yeah, I mean, you're really back at that local job in Montana. I mean, you really ran the gamut of like all of the possible things of, of like local radio, whether it's the ad spots, the country. I mean, the country music DJ. I mean, James, my God. <laughs> <It's a tough. laughs> talk talk about something that like if you told like, well, when you did tell me that story, I'm like, no freaking way. No way. <laughs> that doesn't fit. Um, but that yep. and then local sports. I mean, that is sometimes you really do have to take the like this. Whole, well, this entire experience is like you take these these this whatever opportunity you can get. Um, but you mentioned you want to make that next step. How did you go uh, about doing that? What was the next step in the process? So, like I said, I decided um, that I wanted to, um, you know, get into television and being that I had zero television experience, being that I had zero television contacts, I had no idea how to go about doing that. So, of course, naturally, uh, my thought was, well, I got to go back to school. And that's what I did. So I went to USC for graduate school, um, got a master's degree in broadcast journalism that was a two year program. And then um, and then I got my first television gig in Bakersfield, California. Um, there's a couple important lessons, I think, that are, you know, kind of built into all of this, though. Right. Like like I said, when I first got my sales job, I didn't feel fulfilled. So I wanted to pursue a dream. Um, and that's what I set to do. Um, and I gave myself a timeline, too. I said, OK, well, where am I going to be in five years? If I'm not where if I am not here at this point that I'm marking for myself in five years, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the business because I don't think I think at that point it would be clear to me that um, I'm not built for this. Um, and if I wasn't where I wanted to be, if I was where I was wanted to be in five years, then I set myself on a new five year course. And that's where I was after I graduated um, grad school was, okay, so now I'm at the precipice of, okay, let, let's make a decision. Am I where I want to be at or do I walk away and do something else? Because, um, and you know what was funny, man? Like, I, 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 and I could say this at every juncture until I got a job at NFL Network, I didn't give two Fs as to whether or not I got a job or not. Um, because in, uh, I'm saying in, in, in the broadcasting world, because First of all, they don't pay you dick. And then at least early on. And so I knew I was talented enough to go do something else, anything else I really want to do in business. I didn't care. So I didn't, I literally gave two Fs. I was like, if you hire me, I don't care. If you do hire me, great. 
But if I don't, I don't care. If you fire me right now, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go across the street and I'll find a job in five seconds. So I never cared. Um, and so I don't, you know, and I always kind of sort of had that cavalier attitude. Mm. And I think that has also served me well too. But when I graduated from USC, um, <laughs> this is another, this is another good lesson for folks is when I graduated from USC, I put my television tape together and, and it was funny when I was going through the program, uh, everyone was saying, oh, don't even worry about it. You're going to get a job in television. Oh, don't even. Yeah, you're you're super talented. You're you're going to be that guy. You're going to break through. Don't even worry about it. So I start I start feeling myself. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Okay, cool. Like, yeah, maybe I am that good. Mm. But then when I sent my tape out, I got a I got a response back in the first couple weeks. Uh, I think it was Colorado Springs, um, and they offered me eighteen grand. And I was like, eh, I'll pass. Because, well, first of all, the news director was like, yeah, you can't, by the way, we're offering you 18 grand, but by the way, you can't live here on 18 grand. You're probably going to have to pick up a second job. I'm like, okay, well, what do you sell this job, man? So I'm like, I'm good. I will pass. I'm good. Well, guess what? I didn't get another job offer. I didn't get another call. I didn't get another email. I didn't get another meeting um, the entire way through. And so now it's two months later, and there has been zero interest. Mm. And I'm and, and at this point I'm like, okay, well this sucks. So I have to so then I so then what I do is instead of like looking for a job traditionally, and by the way, this is a very common story in television, uh instead of looking for a job traditionally, which is through job sites and and applying and, and doing all of those things, I had an internship at the ABC affiliate here in Los Angeles. Well I sent my tape to you know I sent my tape to uh, the anchors there at ABC who I had worked with. And I said, can you just take a look at this and just let me know what you think of it? Same story as, as what I did, um, in San Francisco at KNBR. And, um, and, and both of the guys took a look, they said they liked it. They, um, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, this is definitely for you, blah, 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 blah. Um, and one of the guys said, well, why don't I really like your tape? Why don't you send it to, um, a friend of mine in Bakersfield? And let him know that um, that you got his name and email from me. So that's what I did. I used that contact, um, uh, and that's how I eventually got my first job in Bakersfield, which, by the way, was not a full time paying gig. This was a part time uh, football videographer position. Mm. So I wasn't on air. I wasn't doing anything except going to local high school football games. And shooting the games. Wow. That was it. And I was getting paid 10 bucks an hour to do that. And I think I was working like, uh, and I was working like, you know, six hours a week at first. And then they're like, okay, well, this other job opened up to be another videographer for news. Do you want to take that job in news? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll just, I'll do this until I see what, see what else is out there. So I start doing that. And so again, so for the first, like, four months on this job, I'm not on air. You haven't, I haven't written a single word. I haven't said a single word. Um, I'm just shooting video, but I, I keep on plugging on. Then my, then my boss hears that I actually have a master's degree and I actually do have on camera experience. So then my boss calls me and says, Hey, uh, I heard you can do some stuff on air. I'm like, yeah, here's my tape. He's like, okay, well, great. This is awesome. Uh, what do you think about being a weekend reporter? Um, and you know, being, you can do, we'll, we'll make you full time. You can be a weekend reporter and a weekday, uh, shooter. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. So then I start doing that. Um, it, it's, I was killing myself on the weekends to turn as many stories as possible and to do the best job as possible. And the, this is the crazy thing. I was a Weekend, so I was a part-time reporter. I put together a a tape of my reporter stuff, and I submitted it to the Associated Press. I ended up winning that year the AP re- Small Market Reporter of the Year. Mm. And I go to my boss. I'm like, "Do you think this is odd that I can't be a full-time reporter here, but I can win Reporter of the Year for?" Uh, for small market in the AP. He's like, yes. And now you are a full-time Monday through Friday reporter. Wow. So, so that's how that happened. 
That's that's crazy. I mean, just like you said, you know, and I think anybody that's been in in, in the business can attest to this. That a lot of it is just coincidence and and certain not even or coincidence, oh, but just yeah, like just timing, timing, and like a very circuitous way. I mean, it just doesn't happen like in a traditional job where you get an entry level position, you work your way up, you get a promotion. Like that just that just doesn't really happen for us. But one point that you made in there. I, in your story that, that you just told that I, th- I found was very fascinating was this this kind of cavalier attitude, almost this, I mean, like a bit, a little bit of a, like you said, feeling yourself, a little bit of a cocky thing, like because because you got that validation from from other people. Um, but that that can that almost be dangerous in, in a way or oh, give you like a false huge. sense of, of how important you are? The, the lesson I learned there was um, was don't not don't listen to other people about your work, but have a good grounded sense of where your work is at. Um, and, and that's the most important thing. Now, if other people start to tell you, well, hey, and they agree with where, where you're at in terms of your evaluation, then cool. But there's not a whole heck of a lot of value in people telling you that you're good. Um, mm. I'm more concerned about what people tell me when I'm bad. Um, and it's, and, and people have said, well, you know, you should never read the negative comments on your work. Um, and for the most 99% of it, I agree with because people are looking to troll just a troll, but sometimes there can be themes that emerge there. And so to ignore that completely, I think is not the right way to go. Um, I, but I would also say, obviously you have to divorce yourself and this is the most difficult part. You have to divorce yourself of the information from the from the emotion. Mm. So if somebody goes online and tells you you suck, can you divorce yourself of that emotion and figure out the information that's in there, which is, OK, well, why do I suck? Right. Does this guy th- I mean, and maybe he'll let you know. Maybe he'll say, well, this guy's he thinks he's funny, but he's not funny. I think this guy's too loud. I think this guy is too over the top, uh, which are all criticisms that I've gotten, by the way. But and so it's like, OK, well, that's information. Right. So like but I have to divorce myself of the emotion of that, which is extremely difficult, which is extremely difficult. Uh, but I think you can get a lot of information from that stuff. And I tell you what, if people tell you you're good, you're you should have a follow up question, which is, OK, um, you know, not to be a D about it, but why? Uh, what do you like about it specifically? If they don't have an answer for you, they're probably just blowing smoke up your ass. But if they have something which is like, hey, I like your energy or, hey, this is really great information or this is a good storytelling. OK, cool. That's good information that you could file away, too. I think one of the themes of what you're saying there uh, is don't believe you are something until you are something. You know what I mean? Uh, like and we've all been there. I've been there. I mean, it's because like I mentioned earlier, a lot of us in, in the entertainment business or or the media business, like we all have a little bit of a sense of self importance or else. Why would we think that anybody wants like gives a damn about what we have to say? Um, even if it is shocking that anybody cares what we have to say, but whatever, uh, (laughs) like, and, and it's so when you feel that validation and like, I, I was going back and forth, uh, with one of the former guests on the show, JJ Zacharyson and I were, were DMing back and forth about this, this weekend. And like, the problem is like, especially on social media, like I, and like I said, I'll cop to it. I've been there. Like, yo, you're like, you're not getting, there's no value. There's no like sense of importance that needs to be taken away from how often people tell you that you're good on Twitter. It doesn't mean anything because it is not going to like likes and retweets are not going to get you a job. You know, praise on Twitter is not going to get you a, a, any financial security. Like you said, if there's nothing that comes as a follow up. It's probably just, I mean, and it, and it can even be from good intentions, but it's probably just smoke. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and like I said, man, I mean, you know, um, I feel like because I took my eye off the prize when I was in college, when I was at graduate school, that probably cost me my first job. Um, and, and it's, it was cool because, you know, it's all beautiful how it all worked out in the end, you know, because it all, it, it, it did work out. I, I ran across when I got to Bakersfield Um, I met some incredible people that really taught me about work ethic and how to work smarter, 
um, storytelling, writing. Um, and I just ran across some great, great people that I consider to be my mentors even today. Um, so that worked out. But from Bakersfield, uh, I worked in local television there. Uh, then I went to San Diego and I worked in television there. Uh, and then I got a job uh, locally here in L.A. Um, doing news and sports, by the way. So like my my road uh, to getting to sports uh, is not that common. Right. Because like when I was in Bakersfield, I only did news. When I was in San Diego, I did 90 percent news, hard news, um, like crime, political, you know, breaking stuff. And then like maybe five percent sports, maybe like they sent me to the Super Bowl for a year uh, when they went to Dallas. Hmm. So I, I covered the Super Bowl when I was in San Diego. I covered the NCAA tournament. But those were like special assignments. So it's like 95 percent of it, maybe 99 percent of my job. Uh, in San Diego was was news based and only a little portion of it was sports. But I tell you what, though, the reason I got those assignments, though, was because there was I would remind my boss all the damn time. Hey, if you got a sports story, you want me to cover? Just let me know if you got a sports story. You want me to cover? Just let me know. I can do it. I love basketball, I love football, I love baseball. Just let me know. I'll, I'll do anything. If you want me to cover it, if you want me to cover Petco opening day, I'm on it. Right. So like anything. Uh, and I would pitch ideas like, hey, uh, actually, the Super Bowl thing was the thing that I pitched I was like, hey, um, I could find some human interest story stories in, in uh, San Diego related human interest stories at the Super Bowl. You know, you could send me. And that's what I got sent for. So, um, you know, I, once you I, I, what I have, what, what I've seen, too, is when you get to a job, a lot of guys just rest on their laurels at that job. And they what they what they expect is then people to recognize what they've done implicitly, which is just it's just so the wrong way to go about doing it. You have to. And I know this sounds like a total douche move, but you have to tell people the good stuff that you're doing and you have to tell people the stuff that you want to do. So I want to do this. Will you please let me do this? I want to do this. Will you please let me do this? And and people. And this is from my sales background, but it's like I'm undeterred when people tell me no or ignore me or say, no, that's never going to happen. I'm completely undeterred by that. And I will continually go to the same people over and over and over and over again and just look, this is what I'd like to do. Um, if there's any opportunity for me to do that, let me know. These are a lessons. It's just funny to hear you say this because I feel like these are a lot of lessons that I had to start learning this this past year. My second, you really, my second year at NFL Network. Like, be, be, like if you want to do something, you have to you have to you have to ask. You got to tell somebody why you should do it because. Yes. I would say about 5% maybe of opportunities in, in this field come just come to you. You've got to go like chase things, and, and, and that's a big part of it. Uh, and, again, push putting yourself out there, it, it's annoying. It can be tough because you, you feel like you are being obnoxious, but that's the only way that you, you get things. Um, and, and just so much of that is, like I said, these lessons that I've had to learn and, and also not being discouraged by no, cause I'm just like a natural, like when I hear no, I'm like, all right, it's over, but it doesn't always have, <laughs> it doesn't always have to, it doesn't always have to be. Over. I mean, you have a, I mean, you, uh, first of all, I love with, with where you're at. I mean, it's, a, I always, I always look at your career and I'm, and I'm always, you know, semi jealous because it reminds me of when I was chasing stuff and, when I was um, super, you know, passionate and like literally my job was the only thing that I cared about. And by the way, that's by the way, I know that sounds horrible, but really, honestly, that's pretty damn important in yeah. this hyper competitive field. Like literally there need, you need to carve out like a good five year stretch of your life where there is nothing more important in this world than your job. I'm talking it's got to be more important than it's got to be more important than your friends. It's got to be more important than you. It's got to be more important than your family. It's got to be more important than your girlfriend, boyfriend. I mean, it has to be the most important thing. Otherwise, I don't think you've really gone for it. Mm. When you when people say they, they want to like, oh, I'm going to go for it. I always am kind of like in, in the back of my head. I'm like, OK, all right, we'll see what that's all about, because that's. 
That's tough, man. It is – and like – and some people are born with that and some people need to learn that. But And I, and I was kind of like one of those people that um, that just was always stayed focused. So when I was in Montana, staying focused. When I'm in Bishop, staying focused. When I'm in Bakersfield, staying focused. Like I'm, I'm just trying to move forward and that's literally the only thing that I would care about. So like I would get, you know, I'd get pummeled by my boss or, or a coworker or, and this is another important thing too. Like there wasn't, there hasn't been a place that I've gone to that there wasn't somebody that hated my guts. And, and it's because I think it's a lot of it is because of that where people want you to stay in your place. That's, that is a strong human emotion is people want, want you to stay in your place. And so when they start seeing people move up and move up quick, which is what I've done, they don't like it. Um, and you know, people, I mean, you can call them haters or whatever, whatever it's, it's human emotion, man. So, um, and so that's why, you know, you run across a lot of negativity and resistance. People fall into the resistance, which is just basically like, okay, well, I'm being, you know, people are blocking me now, so I'm okay with that. And I'm just going to rage inside internally. Um, and uh, yeah, screw that guy, but you know, whatever. But you're not really doing anything actively to overcome those restrictions, right? So, like, I think that's hugely important is like when every, at, at any stop you get to, I'm talking like from step one to the, your last end of days, people are going to resist you. People are going to say, no, people are going to say, no, no, no. And and try to hold you back. Mm. But for me, I've always felt like it's so important to, you know, we talk about growth, but like, yes, grow, but also shed yourself of those shackles of people trying to hold you down and, and literally figuring out ways drawing out a game plan, mapping out how you can go about doing that. So it's like, all right, so like next year I want to be here. Next year I want to be doing this. Next year I want to be doing that. And like writing those things down and always keeping that in mind. That way when you when you start when people start telling you no, you've already got it into your head like, okay, that's cool. Like and you've already shielded yourself from that. And you've basically said, all right, whatever. And you let that wash over you. In the in in your mind, you're staying focused, and you're saying, "Okay, cool. Like, I got to keep moving forward." Uh, there's so much that you're saying right now that's like super important, and a, like a lot of people just don't tell you. A lot of people don't tell you this stuff in terms of like having to combat that person that's always gonna want to push you, like keep you, like you said, keeping your place or hate you, or especially the idea of a- actually going for it versus g- going for it, because I think it will show up in your in your actions. It will show up in how you approach things. It will show up in your work, uh, in the way people interact with you. Because look, I feel like every, every one of us, uh, who is, you know, and I would say neither one of us are like at our end destinations, of course, but we've all probably at some point the, that, that, that idea of putting the job number one ahead of everything else has, has burned people before. And it causes fissures and, and fractions in your life. I mean, I've definitely had friends pissed off at me about it. I've had girlfriends pissed off at me about it. I mean, many, many years since the girlfriends, of course, but, (laughs) 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 but you know, I feel, I have like self-conscious, like, am I, am I a bad dog owner? Because I've been charting receivers all day. Like what, you know, there's a lot of that that people just don't tell you, but is, is central to what we do. And that, that part of it is hard, man. Um, and honestly, you know, after I got married and and had a kid, um, that part of it rejiggering my priorities was no joke. The most difficult thing uh, that I had to do uh, from a personal standpoint. Yeah, I so would, I would where love I'm at, to get into that. I would love to get into that. I mean, from so where I'm at today versus five years ago is just like. I mean, it's night and day, you know, like, so yes, I still care very much about my work and, um, and you know, I, I mean, for, for God's sakes, I've got two jobs. Um, so it's like, yeah, so I still like, you know, obviously I'm still pursuing and still doing those things, but priority wise, it's like right now it is my family. So my family's first, my wife and my kid. Um, and then, and then it's my job. And then, and you know, it's funny, like, like I said, the, the big struggle for me was like, turning that off 
Um, and then also too, by the way, like, and Matt, you'll run across this too when you get old like me, but, um, when you turn that off and that hyper competitive streak is gone, you hear about this from athletes all the time. It's like, like that part feels like it's missing. Right. And like people struggle with that greatly. Um, and I know I struggled with it, uh, internally for, for years. Um, it's only now like maybe like I've only been like, you know, okay with myself for like the past year where like I've had to be like, all right, cool. Like this is my life. I'm good. You know, like I'm not like upset that I'm like not getting this job or like I'm not upset that I'm not moving up or whatever. You know, like it's only been like this past year where I'm like, all right, like, yeah, all right, cool. Like I'm, I'm, this is the person I am today and I'm I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, obviously, it's not a hurdle that I've had to cross yet, but I imagine that it's a tough, it's a tough thing to deal with, especially. It's, yeah, it's hard. Uh, and you know, if if anyone is kind of going, sort of, and, and you know, I tell you what, even if you're young and you're pursuing this job or whatever, whatever you want to do, um, like I said, like your work has to be has to be the number one priority. Like has to be priority one, two, and three. And then like way down there is like family and friends, right? But I would say this. You, you are never too busy to schedule time for somebody that you love and care about. Right. So like, so what I'm, what I would say is like make Tuesday night family night. Right. And that's what I've had to do. Right. Which is just like, okay, Tuesday night is, is family night. So like, no matter what I'm doing, it doesn't matter. Like I'm not scheduling anything on Tuesday night because that's the night that I'm going to spend with my family. Um, and I'm saying, and so I think like, even if you're young and you're struggling with that, like, let's say you've got like a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something and you don't want to give that up and you don't want to give up, you know, these interpersonal relationships for your job. Okay, cool. The, one of the, I think one of the, you know, things that you could do is say, okay, well, five days a week, I am going to go all out 40 hours a week on this job. And then there's going to be two days a week where I dedicate nothing uh, but all my energies to this significant other. But I tell you what, man, you're going to have to cut some people out. <laughs> you got to cut some people out, man. And that's um, and that is hard to do. Like my my circle of friends shrunk significantly uh, when I started pursuing this career. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a tough balance, but. James, I mean, I feel like we have to kind of get into kind of this this current stage of your of your life beyond just what you're talking about with with family and everything. Like, how how did you end up at at NFL Network? How did you end up at um, with the Clippers and everything? I mean, those are probably two separate stories. But uh, yeah, how how did we how did we get to where where you are now? Because I mean, you had you you are at an incredibly strong place. I mean, career wise, and at least on on the outside looking in. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, there are things about my, you know, where I'm at career wise, uh, some stuff that's like way too inside that I can't really get into, but that I'm not happy about, but, of course. um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, overall outside looking in, yeah, for sure. Like how could you not be happy with where I'm at? You know? And it's like I said, man, like I've never been the kind of, I've never, look, I'm not a hot girl. Okay. Uh, two, <laughs> I'm not extremely, I, I don't, think that I am extremely talented in terms of just natural raw ability. Like I look at somebody like Rhett Lewis, I'm like, dude, this guy is freaking born ready. Mm. Um, but for myself, I'm not that guy. Like I'm much more of a grinder. Like I said, every job that I came into, I was never the best. But when I left that job, I always felt like I was the best. Right. So like, so I go from Bakersfield, San Diego to LA locally. And by the time I got to LA, Um, that was the first time that I, that I was doing sports semi-regularly. I was still doing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was still doing news. And then, uh, Saturday, Sunday, I was the weekend sports anchor. And by the way, when I got that job, that was not supposed to be the job. That was me pitching the guy. I said, I looked at the roster. I looked at their, their, their newscast. I said, look, um, I can do this for you. I can be your weekend sports guy. And he's like, well, I'm not really looking for a weekend sports guy. But I was like, if you need one, I can be that guy. This is what I bring to the table 
in regards to what I think you are lacking in terms of sports coverage and why I think that will work with your brand and with your station. Um, and he's like, all right, whatever. I'm, I'll take that into consideration. And, uh, and then I'll, I'll be in contact. I mean, he, I have an agent. So he's like, I'll be in contact with your agent. So I, I got, I ended up getting the job and there was no, there was nary a word of me doing sports. It was just going to be news. Um, but then about a month into the job, it's funny. Like I show up to work on a Saturday and the sports producers coming up to me and saying, well, um, He's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm, and I'm looking at him like complete blank stare in my face. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, I, I don't know. What do you want to do? Do you want to grab lunch? What are, what are we talking about here? <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, he's like, no, you're, you're the sports anchor tonight. And I'm like, I am. <laughs> and so like, I, I had to text my boss. I'm like, dude, am I the sports anchor? He's like, oh yeah, congratulations. <laughs> so so that's what happened. Um, and so then I was the, so then I, I became the weekend sports guy. So then, um, uh, that was my first time that I was doing sports like, uh, on a regular basis. And then I turned that into another tape. And then I sent that tape into, um, NFL network. We did a, a, a and the first quote unquote interview I had with NFL network, the guy, um, and this is what I told my agent to. I'm like, look, I don't need a job interview. I just want a meeting. Just give me, just give me a meeting. Hmm. And I, I've always said that. Um, like, just give me a meeting. I don't give me a million meetings. I only need one job. I, I but I want a million meetings, right? So like, um, so the guy meets with me from NFL Network, and um, he's like, all right. He's like, just so you know. And I was like, yeah, it's not a job interview. I get it. It's cool. Um, but I just want to come in, introduce myself, tell you what I'm all about, blah, 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 blah. He's like, all right, cool. Well, what are you all about? And I, and so I start telling him blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right, great. Um, nice meeting you. Uh, we chatted for about 40 minutes and he's like, all right, nice meeting you. And, um, you know, if anything opens up, then we'll let you know. Well, like a month later, um, my agent calls me up and says, well, I don't know what you guys were talking about, but that guy loved you. Mm. Um, and he is now finding a space for you. There's nothing there now, but, um, he is trying to figure out how he can get you in the door. Um, and that's how, that's how I'm down. So like, that's why I always, that's why I'm, I've always been a proponent of just getting meetings, not job interviews. Um, and the more people you meet, you never know what will what will crop up, which is, which is really cool in this business, because at the end of the day, it is a, it's a people business anyways, you know? So, um, so I've always, I've always said, just meet as many people as you, as you can. And by the way, if you're young and looking for that first job, that's all you got to do. Like, just go, I like literally go to go figure out the 10 publications in your two hour radius and go meet with all of those people. And again, it doesn't have to be a job interview. Just go in there and say, look, I will literally wait in your damn lobby. If you can give me 10 minutes of your time, I just want to come in, introduce myself, put a face to my name, and I want to leave you my resume and a writing sample, and then that's it. it, it and, and literally wait in the damn lobby until they will meet with you because they will. Because guess what? They're not that damn busy. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of Facebook time in there. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll, make, they'll give you the ten minutes, man. Now that's great advice, and honestly, something that I hadn't even really considered, uh, you know, for myself or anything like that. So that's good stuff. James, you've given us a lot of time here today, and I think one of the things just just to kind of as we're starting to wind down before I ask you a couple more questions, like one thing that I think is just a a, a true central theme of your story is you know you keep saying like you're not naturally talented or whatever you've had to be a work ethic guy and you know since we started off the top so ro with our little rocky relationship i think it's it's important for me to say this like when i first showed up um at nfl network and like started doing the podcast with 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 like you and, and marcus too like you guys just seemed like you had it and like for 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 me the uh like just the way you spoke and like everything like that and I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Like, I'm just, I'm some goofball from his like, from his apartment that like charted some games, and like now I'm here. But 
to find out that like there's actually layers and layers and layers of work ethic that goes into becoming that i think that's honestly i think that's actually important and inspiring for people out there to 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 know that because sometimes you watch someone on television or even like for me you're like we're interacting in person you're like damn that those guys like have something that i don't have some people have it some people like you said have to work at and i think that's a really important theme uh, for for the listeners and and a good thing for you to to share on the show um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I really, truly, honestly believe in that. That's like, that's my biggest thing is that, um, I don't, like I said, man, I, and, and this is what I, this is what I've told people too, is just, I don't think I'm that naturally talented, but i tell you what, man, you're not going to outwork me. You know, you're not going to outwork me. Um, like, you know, and it's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, look, man, I'm like, I'm reading a lot of stuff. I am constantly analyzing my own tape. Like I record everything, Right. Anything and everything that I'm on, I will listen to that. Not for like an ego purpose, but just breaking down my own tape. It's like it's like a quarterback breaking down his own film. Mm -hmm. He's not watching it for ego purposes. He's looking for mistakes. He's looking for things that he did well. He's looking for stuff that he can build on stuff that's repeatable processes that are repeatable processes that are repeatable. That's the big thing. Right. Like what can you do that is repeatable? Um, and how, how do you keep replicating that over and over and over again? And so that's why I'm like, so I'll listen to every single one of my podcasts. I'll watch every single one of my television hits. I mean, there was a time when my entire DVR was just my hits. That's it. Um, and it's, and it's just literally watching it, writing down notes saying, okay, these are things I like, and not overwhelming yourself, but just looking for themes like, okay, uh, what, what's the one thing I want to work on this week? And by the way, that was one of the big things that I learned early in my career. It's like you get overwhelmed because you suck early on and you're like, oh, my God, I got to work on a million different things. It's like, no, dude, you need to work on one thing. Work on that one thing. And, in, and, and at that time next week, make sure you are better at that one thing. All right. And then when you get to that next week, all right, now, cool. Like, let's pick something else that we want to work on and then let's get better on that. Um, that way you just don't get overwhelmed because when you first start out, you suck. And as a matter of fact, like even even the deeper you go, like there's so many, like I said, there's because there's levels to this. It's like there's so many different things that you want to work on. All it's like, no, man, like you got to stay focused. You got to work on one thing. And and that one thing that you work on, like make sure you're better at that one thing a week from today. Yeah, that's really good. A, a good advice all, all around. Um, James, last question I, I have for you. Well, kind of second last question I have for you. But um so you, we've we've talked about race on this podcast before. Um, just a couple episodes ago with uh, Charles McDonald, we had a great conversation about the perception of black quarterbacks and everything, and how he kind of sees that. Um, obviously, you mentioned you know you when you're in Montana, you're like the only Asian guy there. Um, you know, and your entire sort of like you come from literally come from Korea. Like super broad question here, and you can go in as much depth as you want. But what has that ex- experience uh, been like? It's a, um, I don't know, man, like for me, that's another obstacle that, uh, that you have to overcome. And I know that sounds like, I don't know, look, here's the bottom line. Uh, I have gotten a lot of emails, a lot of tweets, a lot of Facebook comments, uh, directed at my race, which is, and it's always the same stuff. Asians don't know jack about sports. Why should I, you don't know what you're talking about. Asians don't know what they're talking about. And it's very similar uh, to what females have to go through in this industry as well. Is like, oh, well, like, why should I listen to this girl talk about sports? They obviously don't know anything about sports. And for whatever reason, um, you know, whatever racial stereotypes are out there, it's of, well, Asians don't play sports. Asians aren't good at sports. Therefore, Asians are not valid to talk about sports, which is just asinine because it's like, do you think any high level journalist out there has actually played sports at a high level? I mean, look at some of the best guys in this business. Buster Olney's five, seven. I mean, it's like Al Michaels. It's like, has that, I don't know. Has that guy played sport? I'm not sure, you know, but it's like, when you look at like the top guys in this profession, it's like, tell me a guy that is a former athlete. That's just ridiculous. But yet that idea persists and that is a public perception that a lot of people don't care about. But, you know, um, you know, it's kind of like the whole 
black quarterback thing, right? It's like, well, is it, you know, you can drive yourself crazy figuring out, okay, well, is this like a perception thing? It's a real thing. Like, you know, like Lamar Jackson, like, uh, for example, you know, I tweeted out one time, I'm not sure Lamar Jackson can play quarterback at the next level. And I got completely murdered on my mentions because, oh, it's a black quarterback thing. I'm like, no, it's because he has a 55% completion percentage and he's, you know, and, and he's like 6'2 and weighs about 180 pounds. Like, I don't think he could take the beating and he's not accurate. It has absolutely nothing to do with the color of his skin, but because that has already been built in for so long, people think that that's where I'm going, right? But, and, and so what I'm saying there is like, you could drive yourself crazy thinking about all these type of things. Uh, and, and, and listen, it exists. It absolutely exists, but you have to be able to ignore that and and move forward. You know, it's like, look, man, whatever you're gonna do, like, and this is a big thing for for um, for minorities in sports, in politics, in, in whatever. But I just want to be normalized. Like, I want someone to look at me and not see anything other than a, a dumbass talking about. Right. Like, that's it. And so, like, it shouldn't be like, a oh, hey, look, there's an Asian guy talking about sports. Like once we start getting more, uh, you know, Asian-Americans talking about sports and it becomes a normal way of life, then that's the goal. It's not to be the you know, it's not to, like, be separate or anything like that. It's just look, the goal is just to be just like everyone else. That's at least that's where I'm coming from. No, I think that's a really good way to uh, to answer that and to put a put a bow on on this episode in general. But James, of course, uh, you know from listening to the show. Before we get out of here, I always like to give the guest uh, one last shot at the floor to say whatever they want before I rip it out from under you. Uh, so, James, before we go, the floor is yours. Please don't be mean. I just want don't be mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. I mean, my my biggest thing is, and this is the advice that I give um, everyone who has ever solicited advice about this industry. But I, my one of my first questions is: Are you doing this every day? Um, are you thinking about this every day? Are you like the emotional and intellectual capital that I've invested? Uh, into this business is tremendous, right? So it's like, so I always ask people like, oh, you want to be a writer? Yes, I want to be a writer. Are you writing every day? Well, and then it's like, all right, cool. Like I'm asking you that question because I already know the answer. You're not writing every day because no one writes every day, but you should write every day. It's like, oh, I want to be on camera. I want to talk about sports. It's like, all right, cool. Are you talking about sports on camera every day? Well, no, I mean, I don't have a platform. No, yes, you do have a platform. Like you have your computer and there is YouTube. Yes, you have a platform to talk about sports on camera every single day. And if you are not doing that, are you honestly trying to tell me and tell you more importantly, are you honestly trying to tell yourself that you are 100 percent dedicated to chasing the dream? Because if you are not, then you got to stop telling people you're chasing the dream. That's my biggest that's my biggest pet peeve is man I'm just on my gr- like I love hearing this I'm on my grind I'm on my grind Okay bro that's cool like stop talking to me about the grind and actually do the grind right like get out there and and do whatever it is you want to be doing if you want to be talking about sports you want to be writing about sports write a damn sports story every damn day if you want to talk about sports do it on camera Every damn day. That's the bottom line. And, and and so don't talk to me about the grind unless you're doing that. Now, there are other things that go into that, uh, of course, which is like, well, you know, I spent a couple hours grinding tape. Cool. Like, but if you as long as you are carving out multiple hours every single day chasing this dream, then you, then I'm cool with you. But other than that, like, don't talk to me about the grind unless you're putting in the grind. I love it. That's a, it's a damn good, uh, damn good piece of advice. And, uh, it's been a lot of this. So 53 episodes in James, 53 episodes of waiting. And it was absolutely worth the wait. you, you literally gave some invaluable, uh, knowledge drops on this as I, as I knew you would. So James, thank you so much for your time. This is, this has been awesome. Um, 
I'm glad we could reach this bipartisan agreement to uh, be on a podcast together <laughs> while, while our two shows are, are like fake warring. I do. I like it as well. The, the fake narrative is strong, so we got to keep that going. Oh, yeah. So th- just ignore this. It was all very real. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the time, man, honestly. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a ton to James. And for everybody out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Continue to please uh, subscribe, rate, review the show. Uh, it helps us spread more word about this so more people can hear awesome guests like James come on and give them some uh, career advice that they can't get anywhere else uh, or just hear some some good stories. We've got a lot of that going on, too. Um, I really appreciate everybody's uh, time, uh, the most valuable asset you can give uh, to, to listen to this show. So for everyone out there, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you learned something. should should be the one that's offended that's a good point you were so yeah. low you had you came after james co Jeez. um <laughs> all right i'll uh i'll cue us in here